Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Orris, and today we're going to be talking about a lot of great films and shows and events. But first, we're going to be talking to Michael French, who's the author of the brand new novel, Beginner's Guide to Winning an Election. He's written many different books before, including Once Upon a Life, The Reconstruction of Wilson Ryder, Why Men Fall Out of Love, The Throwing Season, and much more. But today, we're going to be talking about the Beginner's Guide to Winning an Election, which is about a high school girl named Britt, and it's set in the year 2025. Brit is part of a high school that is part of a huge movement across the country that is called youthification, where politicians are becoming younger and younger and younger to the point where high school elections are now in the national spotlight. Now, Michael, my first question for you is what made you write this book? When I read the book, I was just stunned by how unique this concept was and how timeless it was as well. Um, I think there were three, three motivations for me writing the book. One was... Uh, I've always been interested in politics, especially since college. Um, those were the days of the civil rights movement. And then when Watergate came along in the 70s, that was fascinating, too, with Richard Nixon um, uh, leaving office. But uh, I wanted to tell a story specifically of a grassroots campaign by an underdog, um, because everybody who is in politics today, they hone their skills early. And in the case of Britt, who is our heroine, you know, she's kind of falls into this because she's she wants to be with Matthew who's the who's the incumbent and then he turns on her and she decides she has to um, assert herself and try to run for office and take on the overwhelming favorite so that was one reason I also wanted to look at the year 2025 just to imagine seven eight years out what is the political, economic, military situation in this country? And you could, you know, you no one has any idea, but I just said, this will make an interesting scenario if everything is in disarray, if everything is in shambles. And politics is, um, is something that um, people uh, take for granted still. And Britain is one who, who, make, who makes an exception to that. She does not take it for granted. You know, I really like the world that you built in, I believe it's six years from now. Yeah, six years from now. It was really interesting because it felt realistic, but it also felt this kind of strange thing. We don't want to happen, but part of it we do want to happen. Now, do you personally believe if the future that you foretold could actually happen in real life? I think it's a question of, of every every scenario is about probability. And if I were to assess what happens in this book, uh, and I don't know if you want me to reveal that or not, um, but um, it, I think it's a good, uh, you know, 25, 30 percent chance uh, it could well happen. Well, it'll definitely be interesting to see if it does happen, because I really liked a lot of the messages and morals that you put in the book. And I felt like there was quite a few of them. So I'm just curious, in your own personal opinion, what are the themes that you want the audience to get out of the book? Well, I think I think the main thing is. Um, if, uh, the, the three main things are, number one, um, there are three enemies that we all face in going to school. Um, uh, one is apathy. This is to do with politics. One is apathy. One is the ignorance of history. And the third most important would be not knowing the power and importance of your own voice, your own political voice. Uh, I, and I hope every reader who reads this uh, ends up asking 
do I have a political voice? Um, and if you don't, why don't you? And if you do have a political voice, how are you using it? Well, I think those are all absolutely great messages. And I feel those are messages that are very good for the younger audience to listen to and to understand. So what age group specifically would you like this book to be for, which is feel for younger kids, for teenagers in high school, or for just all ages? I, I would... Uh, all ages, but specifically, I would say, um, you know, 13, 14 and up. Uh, it's a it's it's a two or three part uh, novel and that you've got a very basic story of an underdog running for office and um, and all the traps that she falls into, all the lessons that she learns and her character changes and uh, unbeknownst to her her future uh, is very becomes very different than what she thought it would be you know two or three years earlier you know I really like Brit as a character and what I really liked about her was the character arc you built I just really have to applaud you on being able to transform a character absolutely so much from just an introvert that really doesn't try to stand in the spotlight to a very, very career, very, very standard politician, the way she acts and the way she handles herself. And I just want to know what kind of made you take that arc with her where she transforms herself so much throughout the story? Well, I wanted to use the history teacher, Mr. Wilson, as a vehicle or a catalyst for her change. Um, I mean, she's a bright student, obviously. She's in an AP history class, and I want her to absorb the lessons. And suddenly she begins to question. Um, she thought she knows what her future is going to be. And then suddenly as she pays attention to history and she has her own personal experience with the incumbent, um, she changes. And, um, and the point is, for me, I don't think anybody in high school, or very few in high school, really know who they are. They don't really know what or who they want to be. And you just sometimes find out by taking risks and you see where those risks carry you. And they took Britain in a very unexpected way. I hope the reader was surprised, just as Britain was surprised. And that's how you, you, know, you, you write that part of the story. Absolutely. I was definitely surprised when I was reading the book. It really made captivating twists and turns that shocked me and delighted me alike. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Right now, we are talking to Michael French, who is the writer of Beginner's Guide to Winning an Election. Now, Michael, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of what your book represents. Now, in the book, we have the youthification going on where politicians are getting younger and younger. And I'm curious, do you personally believe that U.S. politics needs to be filled with younger voices? And if so, why? Oh, I, I definitely think so. And I, I think we saw evidence of that in the in the 2018 midterms when you had that fresh wave of, of, of Congress men and women. I mean, that's unprecedented. So uh, their energy, their voices, their points of view, their ethnicity, their ages, all these things are are, are new to our congressional process. So um, that that is something that I would like to see continue. Now, in my book, it, it's it's taking um, the darker side of of of, of a youth youthification movement is taking a darker motivation and and money in politics, which is another subtext or metaphor in this novel. It's about how money corrupts everything, uh, including education, including politicians. You, you definitely really showed a lot of sides of politics that I really feel is good for the younger generation to see. I am so glad that you wrote that in a way that is easier for 
kids to read too, because it is just in the form of a novel, but it teaches so much about politics, especially the things you don't really know. And for people who want to write like you, who want to write these complex books and complex stories, what tips would you give them in terms of the writing process and the publishing process? Oh, okay. That's a good question. So, um, I think every every writer looks at the process a little differently. I look at it um, in several ways. One, you have to come up with a good idea, and it has to, you know, maybe talk about it with your friends or whatever. Make sure that it's solid. And then um, my favorite parts are the beginning and the end of a novel. Um, the difficult part is what's in between. But uh, if I, I think it was uh, some writer said, if the pre-glow of conception can match the afterglow of completion, that is it, the beginning and the ending balance each other out, um, that's what you want to achieve. And you can only achieve that if the middle portion doesn't sag or lag. I think a lot of writers have a, part, have a problem with the middle. Um, but that's my process. And this book took... Took a long time. Uh, it may seem it seems simple, but um, to get all the nuances right, it was five or six drafts. It was well over a year of, of basically write, writing every day. You know, a lot of people don't appreciate just how long it takes to write a book. It is a really long process, and it is just amazing how much work goes into one story. That's why we get such detailed books that have so many wonderful elements in them. And yeah. as you mentioned, the book went through multiple drafts. I'm kind of curious, how did the story change, and why did it change throughout the drafts? Well, I, I you know, watching Britain grow and how she grows and mistakes that she makes – that to me was a very exciting part of writing the story. And then the other challenge was to integrate her growth with her observations of the world around her, how she views her school, which, which she loves. But the school is in this 2025, it's in a crumbling down condition and, and she loves her town, but uh, unemployment and the, and the national economy, everything is working against her, but she has to keep her dream and her hopes alive. So the the and then to work in the parts about the the quote so-called villains, right? I mean Matthew and Nathan and Mr. Barnes, they have to have their representation in this in this story too, and the right spots to put them in, the right kind of conflict that Britain has with them and what she learns from them. That's the complexity that you just have to keep working and working and working on. You know, I really like that your writing style was to let the characters build themselves. You know, you you introduce their faults and their talents and you just kind of let them run through the story. And I feel that created such a natural flow that was really enjoyable to read. You, you have to trust your characters. You have to become friends with your characters. I absolutely agree. And you really did an amazing job with that in your book. Now, I mentioned at the beginning, you wrote a very wide range of books. And I what I was wondering is, do you have a favorite genre or a favorite style that you really prefer writing in? Uh, I, I prefer fiction. Um, uh, I've written a number of young adult books. Um, I like sports. I like politics. Uh, I like self-discovery. Um, and, and, you know, and of course, I like history, too. Uh, so d different ideas pop in your head. Sometimes you actually have a dream about them. I wrote a book called Pursuit, and um, just one scene when I woke up one morning popped into my head, and from that I was able to weave a, a, a much more linear story than Beginner's Guide. But still, that was the catalyst. 
So you look for those moments, conversations you have with someone, a dream you have, someone's, a, a sentence that you read, something that you've never thought of before that gives you energy. You always, if you're a writer, I think, in any, or any kind of artist, you always are looking for that, that, that surprising catalyst. I definitely agree. And it's really incredible that you can create such a complex story from just a simple idea or even a simple dream like you mentioned. Well, Michael, thank you so much for talking to us about your brand new book, Beginner's Guide to Winning an Election. My pleasure. And thank you, Jerry, for the interview. Of course. For our, our viewers listening, if you'd like to check out the book, you can find information about the book as well as Michael on michaelfrench.com. I definitely recommend it. It's one of my favorite books. I really enjoyed reading it, and it is so great to learn both about politics as well as society as a whole. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Optimus Reef. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hello and welcome back. I'm Samantha Marcus from sunny Los Angeles and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the beginner's guide to winning an election and next we'll be talking with some of our amazing Kids First film critics. We're going to be talking with Arjun who's from Nashville and is 17. We're also going to be talking with Sahiba, who's from the Bay Area and is also 17. And we're going to be talking to Zoe, who's from Miami and is 10. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. So we're going to be talking about the Lego Movie 2, the second part. Now, for all of you Lego Movie lovers out there, this movie I've heard has been fantastic. I mean, it just came out a couple weeks ago, but I'm really excited to see it. I'm tired of just stepping on Legos. I want to hear more about this movie. So Arjun, if you could tell us, how'd you like the movie? I thought it was a very good movie overall. It was a very good sequel. Don't think I liked it quite as much as the first Lego movie or even Lego Batman, but um, I haven't seen Ninjago. Didn't hear the greatest things either, but um, definitely a great movie. I can definitely see themselves making another sequel from this. Uh, it, was, it was very well made. Interesting. So you didn't like it as much as the first one. Now, Sahiba, do you agree with Arjun? Did you like it as much as the first one? Did you not like it? What do you think? 
I love this movie. And in fact, I actually have to say, I like this one better than the first one. I think that the way they told the story was very, very smart. And I love this film. It was one of my favorite animated movies, um, Lego animated movies so far. So it was exciting. Wow, we have two different opinions. I love debates. This is awesome. Okay, so Zoe is going to have to break the tie here. Zoe, did you like the first one or the second one better? It's really hard to decide because the first one was so amazing and this one was also really good. I think I liked the possibly the first one better, but this one overall was really good and I really enjoyed it. Well, that's great to hear. I definitely haven't seen the first one, so I couldn't tell you, but it sounds like this movie is really great overall. And so, Arjun, back to you. Since there are so many characters in this movie, I want to know who's your favorite. Ooh, that's a um, that's a very hard hard one, but uh, I think that my new favorite character, he's a new addition to the movie too, is uh, Rex Dangerwest, who is also played by Chris Pratt. Um, and... It's funny how the character kind of serves as a mirror of the role, various roles that Chris Pratt has played, and he he also has some very and he he has very some very interesting developments regarding the plot. And I, I just found his character he was very hilarious, and he was he was just an interesting character overall. Yes, and who doesn't love Chris Pratt? I mean, Chris Pratt is like the face of movies now. He's everywhere, and to see him in a Lego movie is pretty great too. Now, Zoe, I want to know, with all these characters, and Arjun just described his favorite character, like, did you have a favorite moment in the film where you're like, oh my god, wow, I need to see this again, or you were just so in shock? Because I know every time I see a movie, there's always that one moment or one scene that just makes me fall in love with the movie even more. So if you could tell me if there was any moment that stuck out to you in the film. Actually, I really liked a scene where... So it's like um, the main character Emmett. He he thinks that there are like evil people who captured his friends, but then at one and then so he tries to kind of destroy a ceremony that's happening. I don't want to spoil too much, but then later he finds out that they're actually really nice people and that they're trying to help everyone. And I thought that was kind of funny on how he thought that they were really evil, and so did some of his friends as well. Wow, and I love evil characters. Like, I live for the villains in movies, so that's really great to hear. Now, Sahiba, talking about this film, when you saw it, since you saw the first one, what were your thoughts on before seeing this film? Like, when you were looking at the trailers and you were hearing about it? Because I've heard a lot of mixed reviews about it, but what were you thinking before you saw this film? Yeah, I was honestly really worried before watching this movie because from the trailer I didn't see um the potential that it had in the first movie and I was wondering is it going to be able to live up to it or is it not but um even in the beginning of the movie I have to admit I was still worried about maybe the first 20 minutes into the movie because things were happening and I was like oh these jokes are not that good but um it turns out that all the jokes, all the references from the very beginning 
they all come together in the end and everything starts to make a lot more sense um, of why things happened the way they did. And so I really liked that. And by the end, I was just in shock of how great of a movie it was. Wow, I love that. Thank you so much. I mean, I honestly can't wait to see this film. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and today we're talking about so many incredible movies. We're talking about The Beginner's Guide to Winning an Election, The Lego Movie 2, the second part, How to Train Your Dragon, Alita, Battle Angel, Miss Bala, The Director's Close-Up, The Storytellers, Writers, and Directors. So we've got a bunch to talk about today, but right now we're talking to Arjun, Sahiba, and Zoe about The Lego Movie 2, the second part. So Sahiba... You just said that there were jokes, and that really caught me, because I live for a good pun. So can you tell us one of the jokes in the film that you really loved? Oh, man. Okay, so one does come to mind, and I have to try and remember it. Um, oh, yes. Okay, I laughed so hard, because it was such a cheesy joke. But um, they... So when Emmett meets Rex Dangerfest, he goes onto his ship, and there are all these dinosaurs from um, Jurassic park or sorry Jurassic World and the dinosaurs have a hilarious sense of humor so Rex wears a vest and Emmett gets one too and they're friends and they're getting along so the dinosaur makes a comment that oh look they're best friends and I don't know why I found that so funny because that pun was so cringy but I laughed so hard so that was one of the great jokes Well, that definitely puts a smile on my face. I really love that. Thank you for sharing your jokes with us. And Zoe, I want to get back to you. So was there a part in the film, I know I talked about like a moment, but is there a part of the film, like maybe the moral or the message of the film that you really related to? Because I know in these movies, they really hit you with the morals and messages. And sometimes that really can make or break a movie for me. So I wanted to know, if there was a part of the movie that you related to? Well, I did. The message, I feel like it, it's very powerful, and I definitely uh, I can relate to it. It's like you shouldn't tell other people to, like, to grow up too fast because that's not really, like, that's not fair. And also we all should, we shouldn't be trying to grow up. We should try and stay happy the way that we are. And sometimes growing up isn't always the answer. And I I definitely like that. And I felt like it was such a powerful message to many people in the world. And I, I like that about the film as well. You know, Zoe, that's actually really true. Because I feel like, especially in school nowadays, I notice that a lot of people are trying to grow up. I mean, there are kids who are like, so young and they're wanting to drive or wanting to go out and wanting to make their life go faster but we have such a short life that sometimes staying as a little kid is easier you know I've definitely you know in the past few years I've been through a lot and I'm sure everybody has and you know it's made me appreciate like when I can see a movie like this and really go back to my childhood days it really makes me happy so thank you for sharing that I really appreciate it so now This is really important to me. I mean, you know, there are so many people out there in this world. I think like 8 billion. But, you know, not everybody's going to want to see this movie. And I want to know, Arjun, what would you tell somebody if they came up to you and they said, you know, I'm thinking about seeing the Lego movie, but I'm not really sure. Why should I see it? Um, Well, first, they really need to be a fan of 
th- this franchise in general, the Lego movie franchise, because if you if you love the first one, you're definitely going to like this one, in, in my opinion of saying so. I think that really, the only reason why I don't consider it as good as the first, because yeah, it's a, it, it's really ambitious with what it's trying to um, to sell, but uh, it's, it's kind of like, you know, we've seen many other Lego movies that like when you see the second one, you're like, okay, I've seen, you know, it's not that new. It's just a Lego movie. It's kind of like Marvel, you know, like when we saw the first Iron Man, we were like, okay, that's a good movie. Then the second one, we're just like, we kind of saw it before, but I mean, it's still a great continuation. Right. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, you definitely should be a fan if you're going to see it. But um, since I haven't seen the first one, I definitely want to check it out anyway. But it really does help if you're a fan. Now, Sahiba, I want you to tell me, what is the age rating for this film? Um, I said from ages 5 to 18 because there are jokes that are sprinkled throughout the film, like I said before. But they're aimed for teenagers who know a bit of pop culture. And they're also aimed for younger audiences, as well as adults who would get references that go back to the um, like the 90s and the 80s. And so honestly, I think it's meant for everyone. But a specific age range, age range sorry, would definitely be 5 to 18. Cool. I'm not 19 yet, so I fit in that age range. Yes, I'm so excited. Now, Zoe, lastly, what would you say is the star rating for this film? Honestly, I love this film, and I couldn't really find... Like, the film was, like, so good, and I def- I think I would give it five out of five stars, because it, it, it was a really good film. Well... That's all for we have, folks. Thank you so much, Arjun, Sahiba, and Zoe, for talking about this film. I mean, I'm so excited to see the Lego movie, too, the second part. If you want to check it out, it's in theaters now. Go run to the movies and get your popcorn and see this film because they said it was great. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Samantha Marcus from sunny Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Octonauts Reef. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You 
are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Arjun from Nashville, Tennessee, and you've just been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We were just talking about beginner's guides to winning an election and the Lego Movie 2, the second part. And now we will be talking with Jolene and Jordan about how to train your dragon, the hidden world. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Thank you. Um, so just to start off, the first two, How to Train Your Dragons, they're really some of my favorite animated movies, and I'm just absolutely hyped to see this movie. So I guess to start us off, Jolene, what, what did you think about it overall? Did you feel it was a good way to conclude the series? Um, yes, I think it's definitely a great way to conclude the series. Um, the end is very emotional, so the audience should bring tissues. But yeah, I love this movie. It didn't disappoint. It lived up to the other films in the series. What about you, Jordan? How do you feel about it? Um, I thought it was really good, and I think it was the perfect ending to the trilogy. And I'm going to be honest, I've never seen the first two movies, but this movie kind of makes me want to go back and watch the other two. Oh, that's interesting. So, like, even if you haven't seen the other two, you could go into this, like, completely fresh from just not watching the other two movies and still enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. So overall, there's a lot of voice talent here, even a new villain from F. Murray Abraham, and there's even a new Night Fury. So what did you think about the voice talent overall? Oh, okay. I thought the voice talent was really good, and I think the characters were portrayed really well. I especially loved the villain just by his tone and the charisma of the villain overall. Jolene, who's your favorite character overall? That's a hard one. I think I like all the characters in different ways because I can relate to each of them in some sort of way. But I'm the my favorite character would have to be Astrid because she just seems like such an uplifting person and she's always like helping Hiccup out whenever he has doubts about himself or like he feels the pressure of... Um, being the chief of Burke, because, yeah, now that he's um, the chief, there's a lot of problems that's going on with the new villain. So she's just always there for everyone, and she's really helpful. Yeah, I always thought that was one of the most interesting dynamics from the story as well, because really the the story's like a coming of age. We kind of see them when they're really young, Hiccup and Astrid, and, you know, seeing a sort of love story blossom between the two, that was very interesting as well. Uh, another question to Jolene. Um, what did overall? How did you feel the dynamic between Hiccup and Toothless as well? Like, how did you feel it kind of evolved during the movie? Yeah, their relationship. I mean, they've always been super close ever since Hiccup met Toothless, and they've always been there for each other. You know, like Toothless always has Hiccup's back, and Hiccup's always there for Toothless. Like. When he needs the prosthetic wing, because um, a light fury comes in, which is Toothless's like girlfriend, and he wants to fly with the light fury, but he's not able to because you know his um, his wing is like damaged. So Hiccup's there for him with his prosthetic limb, and um, ever since um, Hiccup met the new light fury, I think. 
um, Hiccup and Toothless aren't as close. They're still close and they're still best buddies, but they're learning to like not spend every second of their life with each other. So they're gaining more independence from each other. They still love each other, but they're not hanging out 24-7. So yeah, that's how they their relationship has evolved. Very interesting. I also find it interesting that you know they're they're going to the place i mean from what i've seen from the trailers they're going to the hidden world and you know do we okay i don't know how to go without being spoilerish here but do you feel like we get um a lot of answers regarding the origins of dragons and all of that sorts of things there's not a lot of answers we just know that the hidden world is where the dragons have come from where they're mostly been living yeah, n- not many secrets about it. I I actually do think that approach is very smart, you know, because most of the times they just overblow it with the answers. <laughs> the audience just leave eye-rolling, you know. They really just want to see an emotional end to the trilogy, and that's what I feel like we're getting here. Jordan, how did you feel about the animation overall? I thought it was one of the most unique aspects of the series, I mean, and DreamWorks animation in general. Well, I think I think the animation was amazing, especially when you look at the hidden world. And it was just very colorful and it was beautiful, as well as just getting a first look at the city of Burke. It was extremely vibrant and it was very nice to see. Were there a lot more battles in this one as opposed to the other movies? Like, you know, it's it's being the final movie, you know, you'd expect like some sort of a climactic, you know, confrontation there was a, definitely a battle in the, in this movie. I'm not sure about the other ones because I haven't seen any of them, but I do know that this movie did have one major battle that was really interesting and fun to see. Nice. Jolene, overall, do you feel like this would serve as a perfect end of the series or do you think that they should do anything more with the series or do you, do you think that they should do more, maybe spin-offs and that sort of stuff? I think this is a good ending. The way they ended it, I think there's not a lot where you can go. But at the end, of course, like they show Hiccup with his kids. He has kids now and Toothless has kids. So I guess they could continue it on with the adventures of their kids if they wanted to. But they could just end it like this. Very interesting. Overall, great from what I'm hearing. Jordan, what would be your star rating and age rating for the movie? I think I would rate this film four out of five stars, and I would recommend it specifically for ages three to ten, but I also think it's a very family-friendly film and would be great for adults as well who maybe have already seen the film, other films. What about you, Jolene? Specifically seven to 18, and even adults, because, of course, the universal theme of love, I feel like everyone can relate to that. Thanks for joining us. We have learned so much about How to Train Your Dragon 3. This has been an amazing discussion. I'm Arjun from Nashville, Tennessee, and you have just been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Octonauts Reef. And next up, I'll be talking with Ivy and Rohan about Alita Battle Angel. Overall, I haven't read the manga which this is based off of, and... I mean, I've seen the trailers, and from what I've seen, I haven't seen too much plot, but I've seen a lot of special effects. It seems to be a very special effects-heavy movie, something that's trying to break boundaries. And it has Robert Rodriguez directing and James Cameron producing. Who, I mean, that's obviously got to help it. So overall, let's start off with Ivy. What, what was your overall thoughts about the movie? 
I honestly love this movie. I thought it had a great moral lesson. And I felt like Alita Rosa Rod Roselle, she was a great part for this movie. She really showed the emotion and took you through the train ride of the character. And it was just an overall great movie. I've never seen something like this. And obviously, it's got to be a great movie having James Cameron as being it written by. Because he's a creative genius. He really is. I mean, just Terminator, even Avatar, which, yeah, it did have its flaws. But, I mean, you can't deny the movie's good looking. What about you, Rohan? I really enjoyed this movie. It was, like, very action-filled. There was quite a few very they're very entertaining and beautiful action scenes that were well planned out. And also like the, the act, I think they called it the actor capture. It's like motion capture, but also they had like, they captured like facial expressions and it was just really impressive. And I, I kind of forgot Alito was a CGI character. Yeah, it was kind of the same things with the new, um, same thing with the new Avengers movie with um, Thanos being played by Josh Brolin. I know this is kind of a side note, but I, I think it's just impressive how motion capture has evolved. You know, we've we've gotten to a point where it just looks so photorealistic. Um, and uh, about that side, you know, this is a question to Ivy. How did you feel about the acting overall, especially on the computer generated side? I feel as if the uh, computer-generated images were so vivid and realistic. The animation was awesome. And the, like, the overall actors, they played their characters very well. Like I said, they took you through their emotional journey, especially Alita, with all the things that she went through. Um, I mean, the special effects were so good, like I said. I mean, it was just... An awesome animation film, and I never really watched these type of films, but this really blew my mind away. Um, did you also feel that, um, I guess in the scenes where, I guess let's just say Alita's having a conversation with, like, a human being, did it just seem so seamless? Like, there wasn't really a gap between the two. It was just, you know, photorealistic, as I mentioned. Yeah, it was just so good. Like, her talking to other characters, you couldn't really tell that it was acting or anything like she was just showing you what you would really say in a conversation she was just really bringing you through it and especially with her partner hugo as their couple relationship or teenage love was awesome and her him being her sidekick very interesting i think it's also important to note that christoph waltz is in the movie and he plays dr dideson ido and from what i saw in the trailers he kind of seems like the father figure to the characters. So, Rohan, what do you think about that that dynamic? And why well, I, I really like that dynamic because, like, the reason he was like he saved Alita, like he rebuilt her, but then the body he gave her, he had like a parental connection to, which is why he kind of filled in as like a father figure, and it was just very interesting. Interesting, yeah. Um, you know, of course, then you got Christoph Waltz playing the father figure. It, it's just got to add a lot of heart to the dynamic. Um, so, I mean, overall, from watching the trailers, though, I didn't really get a sense of who the main villains were. Um, so, Ivy, how, who are the really the main villains, and how did you feel they were, like, did you feel like they were good villains for the movie? I felt that they were very good villains of the movie, and towards the end is when you really discovered who the person overall of it was. I'm not exactly sure what his name was, but he was playing in other people. Like, he could take over other people and make you think that they're the villains, but they actually weren't. 
And <clears throat> the fact that she came from a junkyard and it showed her past life, like throughout the movie, they didn't just give it to you in one full thing. Throughout the movie, they just showed you it, so it really made sense. <clears throat> and how she was found in a junkyard, I really could relate to it. And the villains were really, they really brought the movie to life through making her be her and shaping her characterization. They um, also shaped other people throughout the movie. Interesting. So, Rohan, what is your overall age and star rating for the movie? Well, I'll recommend it for ages 11 through 16. I, I would give it four out of five stars because... Well, it, it does a good job building, like, characters as well as it's very visually impressive. But I feel like there's some parts of the story that's just... What about you, Ivy? I give this film a 5 out of 5 stars. I often don't give these, so this film really deserved it. And a 13 to 18 rating for age due to the adult language and a lot of violence through the actions. Because this was a very action-packed movie. But overall, it was a great movie. That's good to hear. This sounds like a perfect movie to check out this weekend. Thanks for joining us. We have learned so much about Alita Battle Angel. Let's take a break. I'm Arjun from Nashville, Tennessee, and you've just been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show has been sponsored by Octonauts Reef. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Samantha Marcus, from sunny Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Alita Battle Angel, and next we're going to be talking with Lexi, who's from Los Angeles and is 13, about Miss Bala. Now, I forgot to mention that Lexi is a first-timer on this show, so welcome to the show, Lexi. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. That's great. And Arjun, who's also my co-host, it's his first time, too, so give him a lot of love. Wish him luck. He's been doing a great job, and we're so excited to add him to the team. Now, Miss Bala, I haven't heard of that. I've read a little bit about it online, but it sounds like an intriguing movie. So, Lexi, please tell me about the synopsis of Miss Bala. 
Okay, so basically in Miss Bala, um, Gloria, who is played by Dina Rodriguez, um, she returns home to where she was born. Um, I think it's called Tijuana to visit one of her friends. And then she goes out to a club um, with her friend and then something horrible happens, which I don't want to spoil. And then the rest of the movie is how she deals with that and um, reuniting with her friend and her family and her adventure. Wow, that's so cool. Tijuana, wow, that's like 30 minutes away from where you go to school. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, we don't want spoilers on this show. I mean, we're very, very rigid with how we handle spoilers. I mean, if there's a spoiler, yeah. it's like it's like a no it's like a nope. I don't even know what I'm going to say, but it's not good to have a spoiler. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like a really great movie. I mean, you know, everybody goes through a lot in their life. And I think that just hearing how she deals with this problem and how she has to reunite with her family. I think that that's really important, too, because I'm sure that everybody listening to this radio show is going through something right now. It could be good. It could be bad. But the important thing is you should never, ever give up. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Agreed. to see I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to see this film. Now, you mentioned Gloria. Is there a character that's your favorite? Like, is she your favorite, or is there anybody else that you really connected with? Um, so, the friend that she's going to visit in Tuhana, her name, in the movie, her name is um, Suzu, and Suzu's played by Christina Rodeo, I think that's how you pronounce it, and she is also, like, a really, really great actress, and she um makes some really funny like remarks and she's a really good actress so I really like her Ooh, funny remarks I'm excited yeah. I'm intrigued <laughs> I love I love humor and that's something that's really important in a film so that's yeah. great and mm -hmm. so I read something about it being attributed to Spanish speaking is that right yeah um it's like basically it's um taking place on the border of um Tijuana and um, United States and basically it goes back and forth and um, the um, what's called the characters in it are all like Spanish speaking um, they all speak Spanish and they're all from Mexico that's so cool and a lot of students too like including myself we take Spanish in school so yeah. I'm sure like seeing this film like it'll definitely help a lot with understanding the mm -hmm. culture and everything yeah. so if you don't know Spanish, take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So my other question for you is, was there any part of the film that you really related to? Um, well, so this movie was not, I personally, I don't, I'm not a person who really enjoys like being scared. And this movie was very um, like, intense and action-packed and there were a lot of like shootouts so and I was on the edge of my seat like the whole time so I don't really have much to relate to it because it wasn't like my cup of tea you know um but I do I didn't really like this I liked the storyline and the actual message is great well, that's, I really admire how you're being honest and saying that it, like, wasn't something that you 
enjoy it as much as we thought of because yeah. a lot of movies I feel like you can find something to relate to but it's you know I'm not really a scary fan either so um, mm-hmm. I probably feel like similar to how you felt but um, it's good that you really enjoyed the storyline and the message because that's like one of the most important parts to a film yeah mm-hmm. so do you think that they're going to come out with a second one or do you think that they covered everything that they needed to um the movie left me with, like I left the movie with a sense of kind of wanting to see what happened next. Okay. So like it's a really it's a happy good ending. Um but I am interested in what happens next. So I would love if they made a sequel. I'm not sure they will, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully they will cuz I would definitely check it out even though I was pretty I was um pretty scared. Yeah, I totally agree with you. We'll see. Well, I hope so. And, um, Lexi, last question for you. What would you say is the age and the star rating for this film? Um, so, like I said, since it wasn't my favorite type of movie, but I still like the storyline, I would give this movie four out of five stars, which is still pretty good. I really liked, um, you know, I think everything... I just, I really liked it besides the scary part. And then um, I would recommend it for ages 13 to 18 but for like 13 to 15 year olds who get scared easily I would probably say to not I wouldn't recommend it because I am a 13 year old who does not like being scared and I still like the storyline but it was hard to watch and I had to close my eyes um at a few parts wow that's great yeah I totally am with you if something's scary close your eyes yeah. Um, but Lexi, thank you so much for talking about Miss Of Paula. course, thank you so much. We're so lucky to have you first time. You did great. We're so excited to have you on thank our future you. shows. Thank you. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we're talking about a bunch of fantastic films. We're talking about Beginner's Guide to Winning an Election, The Lego Movie 2, the second part, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, Alita Battle Angel, Miss Bala, and Directors Close-Up, the storytellers, writers, and directors. Right now, we're going to be introducing Jerry, who's from L.A. and is 16, and we're going to be talking about the Directors Close-Up, the storytellers, writers, and directors. So, Jerry, thank you so much for being on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Sure. So, tell me about this Directors Close-Up, because it sounds really intriguing to me. Absolutely. So the Director's Close-Up is a yearly event that Film Independent does around the beginning of the year. And it is a several-week event that lasts from the end of January to the end of February. And basically what it's about, it's all about directors. You are going to a panel every week on Wednesday where you hear directors, actors, storytellers, everybody who makes films, the people in the background how their careers have changed, how, what lessons they learn, what tips they give. So far, there I have attended uh, two of these. By the time this records, I would have attended a third one. Most likely, I've covered a third one already. The first one focused on the uh, relationship between the director, the casting director, and the actor. We had Nicole Hollis Center, who is the writer and director of The Land of Steady Habits, Enough Said. We had Jeanne McCarthy, who's a casting director of the same film. She worked with Nicole a lot. We also had Thomas Mann, who is an actor known for The Land of Steady Habits, me and Earl and Dan Girl. It was also moderated by Karen Kusama, director of Destroyer and The Invitation. And the next week after that, it was all about writers. We had Jane Anderson, writer of The Wife, Billy Ray, writer of Captain Phillips, Robin Swickord, 
it was who was the writer of Wakefield. And they basically talked about just kind of their processes and what tips they give in many fields that are often underlooked in in Hollywood. Wow, that actually sounds really fascinating. I personally have never been to one of these, but it, it sounds like you had a really good time. I mean, did you did you have like not like a favorite director or storyteller, but like was there one that you really like the advice that they gave that it really stuck with you? You know, I feel like Billy Ray was really an incredible speaker and just gave so many tips on how to properly write and how to work with the director. He gave a lot of metaphors, which I really appreciated. I'm a sucker for metaphors. One metaphor I really loved is he re- is he related writing a script to Block of Granite. This is a very famous ma- metaphor for uh, marble, marble sculpting, where basically you start with your statue all encased in marble and you take everything away. That's not the statue. He related it to writing by saying that you start with granite, a block of granite. That is your entire world, your entire universe that the story is set in. You just chip away everything that's not the story. And I felt like that was such a simple and powerful metaphor to describe the writing process. And I also really just love Nicole Hall of Center and how much insight she gave into directing and working with the actor and just how many tips she gave that she learned on her way throughout her directing career, which I really like because it tells you a lot of the tips that she did wrong, a lot of the mistakes that she made, which I really found powerful and useful. Wow, I never would have thought that that metaphor could be so powerful. That's awesome. And, um, you know, since you are a director and a writer yourself, I mean, how did that make you feel like going in there and being around these famous storytellers and directors and writers? I mean, that must have made you feel like Were you looking up to them? I mean, like, how was it for you? Absolutely. What I really liked about how they organize these events is you never feel like you're looking at some impossible people. It feels like a conversation. It feels very equal. It feels very interactive. There's always Q&A. There's always interaction with the audience. And I just felt like I was not looking at these people who made it, who achieved everything I want to achieve. You know, I felt like I was looking at people who were just creators, who were just people wanting to tell a story, and that was a really powerful thing that they were able to achieve. And I think the way they were able to do that is just making it so conversational. It was not just an interview where they sat down and they answered questions. It was very conversational where they chatted with each other, they discussed different things that they like to do, their different strategies, how they differ and how they disagree. And that really just showed you how everyone is different, how everyone has a unique take on almost everything in film. That is completely true. And, you know, speaking of that, was there a piece of advice that somebody gave or somebody was talking about that really helped you? Because I know, like, I'm not a director or a writer. I mean, I, I write in school, but I don't write books or plays or anything like that. So was there a piece of advice that has helped you in your career path? You know, I think that one of the most powerful things that came from this event in terms of advice was, I think Nicole said this, and it was, of course, about actor, the actor and the director. And she was talking a lot about how she wants to make sure that not only can the actor act, that's one thing, you know, make sure that they can express their emotions and they're right for the role. But she wanted to make sure so well that she can get along with the actor and that they can have a bond. She talked about how she often has these meetings and she often talks to them extensively just to make sure they can connect. And that 
there are many good actors that she may never pick, even if they would be okay with the role, just because she wouldn't be able to work with them. That really leads you with a great message in terms of acting and directing, is that the two need to work together very, very well, because they are doing almost the exact same thing. The actor is becoming the character, and the director is trying to bring the character to life. So if those two don't connect, you're not going to have a very good character, and it's going to show very much on camera. I completely agree with you. That's something that completely has, you know, changed my life, especially, you know, like seeing all these movies and, you know, hearing about directors and how they cast and everything like that. I mean, it's really important to be the character and, you know, have a good director actor dynamic. So thank you so much, Jerry, for talking about this director's close up with the storytellers, the writers and directors. Of course. Thanks for letting me talk about it. Thanks so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. If you want to watch our latest reviews of films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, you can learn how to join our Films First Critics team. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. Also, check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, KidsWorld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is also produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Octonauts Reef. I'm Samantha Marcus from Los Angeles. Thank you so much for listening. I know this is a month away, but please check out IHOP's Pancakes on March 12th. This is not sponsored. I am not a sponsor of IHOP, but I would totally go check out their pancakes because who does not love pancakes? You can eat some pancakes and then run over to the movie theaters and check out these great films. I'm Samantha Marcus. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.